staggering of solid gold, like a ball that is tested, like a covenant yourself to me and it's why I sing that your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips
familiar verse, I forgot my Bible this morning while I'm reading from this. This familiar verse in Jeremiah, um, I'm going to read, and then we're going to go on to my favorite part. So this is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Like, so these are promises that we're singing, right? And so I think this last song, it sounds a little demanding to say, nothing else will do, right? It's kind of like our kids saying, mom, give me candy. Nothing else will do. Well, I don't think so. No, I didn't promise you candy. But the Lord promises us to fill us with his fire and his spirit right? We can count on him for that. We can count on being held by him. We can count on getting revelation, right? As Mara, I forget if it was Mara or Paul that was saying last week in James, we just, we ask the Lord for wisdom, revelation, and he gives it to us. He doesn't want to hold that back. A healing visitation. Nothing else will do when we are seeking him, seeking his face. And I don't know, it was, my life is really busy. And I don't, I don't stop very much. 
And maybe that's not your case, but maybe it is. And I know that church can be really programmed, and we have this, and then this, and this, and this, and this. We don't stop very much here, and I want to do that now. So this might make you uncomfortable, but I want to give you the space if you want to pray with just this quiet music in the back. We might sing again. We might not. But I want you to pray. And Dave, I'm going to ask if you would just kind of go through the slides of the chorus that if you need like a prayer prompt of what we just sang, Dave's going to put that on the screen and scroll through. If you if you want to cry out to him, Lord, fill me with your fire. Give me revelation. Visit me here and now. His word says he'll do it. We seek him. We will find him. With Seek him with all of our heart and we will find him. Right? Will you do that with me, church? I want more of the Lord. I want more of him. I know you do too. Let's 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 get some quietness for that this morning. Good morning. Today, I brought one of my special boxes to share with you. And yes, I did say one of my special boxes because when I was really young, all of my special things would fit into one special box. And I remember it it was this red pencil box that had dinosaurs all over it. But as I grew older, there were more and more things in my life that became special to me, that became precious to me, things that no matter how much I outgrew them, or I was too old for them, or they were old. I just couldn't bear to give away. They had so many memories attached to them. So um, as I was going through my box last night, I was realizing that some of the memories that I kept are good ones. Some of them I can look back and um, I have this dehydrated seahorse, which maybe is disgusting, but I remember this from my first trip to Florida with my family. And so I was thinking back to that and thinking back to that this was the one souvenir I could not come home without. And so I'm sure my parents <sighs> indulged me because my mom, I don't know that she would have loved that. 
And then I looked in here uh, further, and then I found a brooch that belonged to my great-grandma. And I remember her wearing this. She was one of those, she was just very fashionable, always dressed to the nines, and she always had something sparkly on. And so I was kind of reminiscing and thinking back about my grandma. And then I realized I had my jewelry from my wedding in one of my boxes. I had my very first watch that is a Mickey Mouse watch with the hands that move around. And each time I was looking through these, I was just like getting stuck and going down the story of, of my childhood, my life. I even found a ribbon from um, being at the state fair one year. Would you guys believe that I didn't used to enjoy public speaking? But this ribbon, I, when I look back at it, I was remembering that this was for a demonstration that I gave. And I remember just being so floored that I had won an award for that because I really thought I like tanked the whole thing. I walked off that stage going, oh, I don't think I ever want to talk in front of anybody ever again. That was horrible. But as I was digging through this box, I was, I was kind of tracing some of the stories, even things that I had forgotten about in my childhood and in my past, but that at some point I had kept because it was important to me. This month as we're talking about wisdom, and obviously Solomon is one of those people that comes to mind when we think of wisdom, but his life story is kind of just like ours. There were those high moments, those moments where he was getting it right, and there were those low moments that were heartbreaking and hopeless. And through that, as we kind of trace his story, we're still seeing God at work in his life. Um, today with the kids, we're going to talk about when Solomon was um, finishing the temple and bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, David, his father, was the one who had wanted to build that temple, but God had promised, he said, no, you're not the one to build it, but I promise you that your son will. And so as Solomon finishes this temple and brings in the Ark of the Covenant, he reminds the people that this, what they are witnessing right there, is an answer and a promise that has been kept for generations. God kept so many promises to them up to that point, but he wanted to remind, hey, one more. God had promised to my father that I would build this, and, and here it is. And so as they we're finishing it, they brought in the Ark of the Covenant, which is basically the nation of Israel's collective special box. As that box moved in, everyone knew exactly what was inside. There was supposed to be a jar of manna from the times that God fed them in the wilderness. There was supposed to be Aaron's staff, which had budded. So this piece of wood had grown leaves and almonds. And then there was also the tablets of the Ten Commandments. And so they weren't allowed to open that box. The glory of God, like that box, was also a symbol of his presence and his promises. But everybody knew exactly what was inside because those stories had been passed on from generation to generation. And as they pass on those stories, woven through them was this idea that wisdom, wise people, trust God. God has kept these promises. We trust him to keep the ones that we haven't seen yet. He's done this for us so we can trust him to do this for us. And so I would encourage you, I can't be the only person that has boxes of special things in my house. If you've never gotten some of those things out to share them with your kids, share them with a friend, maybe this is the time to talk a little bit about your story. Because is my faith woven in every one of these things? In a way, yes. Because my faith has been growing throughout my entire life. So these might not be special church-related things, but as I sit here and talk about my childhood and my story with my kids, 
I'm inviting them alongside a story that's continuing. Our faith is not in isolation. I don't bring my kids to church and have them sit beside me and hope that they will somehow catch their faith just because we're in the same room together. It comes from sharing my story. And it doesn't just mean I can share my story with my kids. I can share my story with anybody around me. But as I talk about the way that God's been faithful in my life in the past, I'm also talking about how I trust that he's going to be faithful in the future. So I'm going to invite Pastor Paul to continue talking to us about how wise people behave. Thank you, Mara. I'm getting to that age where I feel like I'm getting that, to that age. Anybody, anybody with me there where, where it seems like things have changed so much over the course of, of my life? And, you know, I think about when, when I was a kid, we, our kids all went to pediatricians. And, and uh, when I was a kid, we didn't, I, I, if they had pediatricians, we didn't go to them. We just went to the family doctor, and that's, that's where we went. And some of the doctors in, in Connersville, where I grew up, didn't have the greatest bedside manner in the world, if you know what I mean. And some of the nurses were not the kindest ladies uh, that you had to deal with. I remember Dr. Kerrigan in Connersville. Uh, I, w I was actually a security guard at GM, Jim, uh, for, for a summer. And so you had to have a physical. And when I did the physical, my heart was enlarged and a slow heartbeat. So they were concerned about that. So they sent my doctor and I had to get it checked out. And I said, Doc, what's, what's wrong? And he said, um, th this was his diagnosis. You have a slow, big heart. Um, thank you, Dr. Kerrigan, uh, for clearing that up for me. Uh, but, but some of the doctors didn't have great bedside manners and communication skills weren't always what they should be. And so I remember when I was in college, I began to have pain in the, my right foot. And so we, we, when they sent me to, to get an x-ray, and when I got to get the x-ray, the doctor had actually marked the wrong foot to be x-rayed. And so they x-rayed my left foot, and I said it was my right foot hurting, so they ended up x-raying both, but when everything was said and done, I guess maybe the doctor knew more than I thought he knew because there was a broken bone, not in my right foot, but my left foot. And we've all experienced that, that, that one side of our body. And if you've ever had to have knee surgery on, on your right knee, more than likely you're going to have trouble with your left knee because we begin to favor. There's, there's this interrelation uh, between body parts. And, and, and we, we could call this a lot of different things. And in physics, there's this idea of the butterfly effect, that a butterfly can, can flap its wings in, in Southeast Asia and cause a tornado in Kansas. And, and I, I was looking this up on the internet, and apparently this has been disproven through, um, through time travel. Uh, this was the news that I don't know. It was fake time travel that disproved that. There, I, I don't know. I, there's too much stuff out there <laughs> if you start looking. But, but the butterfly effect, that, that one little thing can cause a big impact. And, and maybe it's easier to think of it like this, for the lack of a nail, a shoe was lost for the lack of a shoe, a horse was lost for the last loss of a horse, a soldier was lost for the loss of a soldier, a battle was lost, and for the loss of a battle, a war was lost. And so there's this interrelation of things, and, and we live in an interrelated world, uh, that there's a relationship between everything, that, that one thing affects other things. And, and so, for instance, we, we may work real hard, uh, we may will work real hard to earn money, but if we don't budget properly, we'll still end with a bad result because there's the interrelation between budgeting and earning. 
one relationship affects another. And so we, we've thinking about thinking and acting wisely or acting rightly, it's omni-related. And I looked that word up. I, I can't find that word anywhere. So that, that I'm going to patent that word. Uh, thinking and acting rightly is omni-related, meaning it relates to all things. All areas of life uh, are, re are affected by our wrong or our right actions and decisions. And we're called to think and act wisely in relationship to all areas of our life. Uh, perhaps this goes without saying, but, but, but the wrong ideal is this, that there are God things, sacred things, and then there's other things, secular things. All of life is holy and belongs to God. Can you say that with me? All of life is holy and it belongs to God. And we're called to think and act rightly or wisely in all areas. But, but more than just how we act in all areas, I truly believe that God is the source of all right thinking and all right acting. That, that God ultimately is the source of all good things. So James says, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. So, so God always gives good gifts. And, and what we used to do in the church a, a long time ago is we would say, God is good, and you would say, all the time. Okay, God just gives good gifts. That's, that's just the nature that's just the nature of your God, that, that he causes the sun to shine on the good and the bad. He causes the rain to fall on the good and the bad. Our God is the giver of good gifts. And, and it affects all of life. You know, it's, it's easy for me when I pray with somebody at a hospital, if I'm ever able to pray with somebody at a hospital again, <laughs> Uh, that, that when you can go in and you can pray that there's a good result, I, I don't care what the doctor's theology is, I, I believe that all healing comes from our God. And, and he uses doctors and nurses and hospitals as instruments of his good gifts. And, and wisdom is the same way. Our God gives wisdom. And, and so when someone acts and thinks in a right way, whether they acknowledge God or not, that has come from God. Our God gives right thinking and right acting. And that's why you, I, I can say this without any hesitation. Maybe you've not fully bought in to God. Maybe you've not sold out. Maybe you're kind of holding back. Can, can, I, can I suggest this? Begin to live some of the principles and see if God is not true. Try kindness and see if that is not right thinking and right acting. Try forgiveness and see if that is not right thinking and right acting. Try generosity. See, see, when we try God, we find that our God is true. My God does not need me to prop him up. God is true. So what we do when we act rightly, it impacts 
in many ways. And so wisdom, right thinking, right acting, is living in right relationship with all aspects of our life. That this isn't just about me and God, me and others. It's about all areas of our life. And so last week we saw that wisdom is not about education or position or knowledge. Wisdom is right living, leading to right relationships. And so we're going to continue that thought just a little bit further today. Proverbs 3, 1 through 7 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And, 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 I, and I think it's striking that in this passage, and we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, that, that wisdom and kindness are connected thoughts, a relationship word and wisdom are connected thoughts. But the key phrase for today is this, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Can you say that with me? In all your ways, acknowledge him. All your ways, all. That's a pretty inclusive word, right? That's not a narrow word. So imagine, I tell you, I went to Benny's Pizza last night and I had the Meat Lover's Pizza. Anybody ever have the Meat Lover's Pizza? Lord help us. I went to Benny's Pizza and I ordered a Meat Lover's Pizza and I ate all of it. I didn't. I'm just preaching. <laughs> when I said I ate all of it, what would your understanding be? Your understanding would be there was a pizza there, and when I left Benny, Benny's, the popcorn, the pizza, the homemade root beer, all of it was gone. Right? That, that's what all means. And when the scripture talks about in all your ways acknowledge him, it's not saying in your church life, in your spiritual life, and what is considered sacred in these areas of your life. When the Bible says all, I think the easiest way to understand that is all means all. In all your ways acknowledge him. I don't think we do good service to this, this phrase, acknowledge him. Because this phrase, acknowledge him, is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, God, I see you, right at you. You know, it's not pointing our finger at God and saying, hey, thumbs up, you're there, God, I'm acknowledging you, and then I'm going to do things my own way. But this acknowledge him is this intimate know God. Anybody ever hear how they word, you know, Adam knew Eve, and they had a kid. Um, pretty intimate word. This, this is not just saying, hey, I acknowledge that God is, but it's this intimate, personal 
knowledge of God. And so what the proverb writer is saying, when you intimately know God, seek God in all things, all the relationships of life, then right thinking and right acting follows. So, so right wisdom is living in right relationship with all aspects of your life. As a matter of fact, I, I would say this, that, that we can try God, but, but if you've served God for a long time and you've not grasped onto this understanding that, that God wants to be sovereign, God wants to be in control, God, God wants to be involved, God wants to be intimately involved in not just your church life, but your whole life, your family life, your work life, your school life, you're missing the point. You're missing what God's trying to do. And so it's easy to see, okay, this is about right relationship with God. Yes. It's about right relationship with others. Yes. But I truly believe that God is calling us to right relationship with self, right relationship with church community, right relationship with general community, right relationship with creation, right relationship with systems, right relationship with governments. That, that God is calling us to this place that, that we want to think and act rightly with regard to systems and environments and creation and governments that, that, that God has called his people to be his face and his voice in the midst of some systems that are broken. Now, there's an interesting story that they connected in, in the kids' curriculum with this, and it's the building of the temple. And the building of the temple is an interesting thing. God did not allow David to build the temple. David is Solomon's father. And, and so David wanted to build a temple. And before they had the temple, they had the tabernacle. And, and when they were in the wilderness, wherever they were, the tabernacle was. It, it was like this great big tent that they would tear down and build back up. And it would go wherever they were, the tabernacle was. But God allowed Solomon to build the temple. Ultimately, the temple became a place of separation, not connection with God. And when you read the prophets, what was happening was this, is that the temple was static, and it was in Jerusalem, and they would go to the temple, and they would wear their mask and say the right things, and they'd sing the right songs, and they'd give their offerings, and they'd feel pretty good about themselves, and then they would go out into the community where the temple wasn't, maybe many miles away from the temple, and they would live unjustly. Uh, they would um, create systems that weren't fair. They, they wouldn't care about their neighbor. They wouldn't care about other things. And, and so the temple became this place where they hid God. That they hid God in, this, in the holy, sacred place. And the rest of life was theirs. There was the holy place the sacred place, and then there was just life. And then we have Jesus. 
Jesus comes and John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word John uses there is not dwelt but tabernacled. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we saw the, his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so what Jesus is doing, and, and the example of Jesus is Jesus wasn't interested in being confined in a space where we visited him once a week. But Jesus, God, through Jesus, was interested in being involved in our everyday life. Matter of fact, when you read the stories of Jesus, there's times he's in the temple. Uh, but most of the time, Jesus is sitting at tables with people. He's walking by pools where people are broken. He's going by a tax collector's booth. He's teaching in a fisherman's boat. Jesus was just out there with people. See, God wants to be... God's greatest desire is to be in the midst of life, not separate from life. Go back to what I said earlier. All of life is meant to be holy. And so God wants to be the center of your school life, your family life. God wants to be the center of your work life, your neighborhood life, your out with friends life. God wants to be the center of that. He wants to be part of that. You know, I, 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 I realize when I preach that, it's like, man, that is the biggest bummer in the world, Pastor. Every activity has to be a Bible study. <laughs> you know, and, and people begin to develop those thoughts. No. Instead, in all these things, we're living in a way to build relationships with those around us and our environments, wherever we find ourselves. To, to live wisely requires a level of intentionality. It, it doesn't just happen, right? Anybody, anybody give me an amen? That you, there's there's got to be a level of intentionality with this. And, and if you've lived in a way where you've separated the sacred from the secular, that your church life is completely, you know, there's, there's church Ryan and then there's Cardinal Ryan. I'm not, I'm using you because that's a bad seat to sit in, okay? You know, if you've lived in that way and, and there's been a complete, this will be uncomfortable. But can I tell you this? God's right thinking and right acting leads to better living. And so when we begin to practice these things, these areas where there may be struggles and conflict, you might find, you might find that God begins to work even in those places where you have some issues. Not that you won't have issues. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. You know, to take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, you know, I'm not promising some 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 utopia where if you do everything exactly like God says, uh, you know, your, your kids will eat all their meals and, and there'll be joy and laughter everywhere and harps and singing. But I do believe there'll be peace even when there are storms. There'll be this settled, settled understanding that God is present even in the midst. 
So, so to live wisely requires a level of intentionality. It requires self-examination. Um, I'm a big believer in self-examination, by the way. I, I, I just, I think it's essential. I, and I think, uh, who, who says the unexamined life is not worth living? There, there's a philosopher that says that. Uh, anybody know? Who? Aristotle? Okay, so, sounds right. The unexamined life is not worth, it, and, uh, worth living. And folks, I, I believe that as believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to be humble enough to submit our life to self-examination. As a pastor, it's not enough for me to preach these things, but as I, as I preach this sermon, as I think about this, then I have an obligation to God's Word, to God, to you, to my family, to those I love, to, to examine my own life to make sure that I'm living rightly, I'm living wisely. Do my environments determine my personality and actions? Do your environments determine your personality and actions? Um, does driving in the vehicle turn you from calm, nice, pleasant person to raging lunatic? Who would raise their hand and say, yep, sometimes? You know, could God care about how we drive our vehicles? In all your ways, shoot. Do the way you observe sporting events? You know, I'll be, I'm so glad now that Spencer's not playing. Um, <laughs> referees will get a lot better. I got to tell you, I, I go see. Uh, uh, some of you other kids play, and, and the referees are a lot better in those games uh, than when one of your flesh and blood's playing. You know, that, those environments can, you know, those stressful environments. That, that does the workplace create a different person than you are at church? I mean, if, if we were to come visit you at work or school, would you be completely different than you are here? If, if that's the case there's a problem, and we need to address it. See, this isn't some things, it's all things. Not only self-examination, but situational awareness. We need our radar up for situations, what's going on. And here's some questions. How is God at work in this situation in place? In this time, is God at work? Do you believe that God is omnipresent? Say amen. Do you believe in, and, and it's a big word, prevenient grace, and this is the ideal of God's grace goes before, that God is pouring out goodness and grace on people at all times. Do you believe God's that graceful and that loving? Say amen. That means that in every situation you find yourself in, we don't take God anywhere. We simply identify what God is doing and join his action. You understand that, right? 
That, that, that when a missionary goes to some foreign land, they're not introducing God to that foreign land. God is already there at work, and what the missionary is doing is simply making people aware of the God that is and the God that loves and the God that is seeking. So whatever situation you find yourself in, and, and sometimes it's hard to see, right? Right? Sometimes it's hard to see, and we've got to be intentional about this, but whatever situation you find yourself in this week, God is there. And the, and the trick is not to, to move God in a certain way, but, but, but the desire is that somehow I join what God's doing. What action in this situation would build relationships? another question. See, God's intention is to be involved in all areas of life. As a father, I understand that. I think of my boys, and all I want for them is good to somehow bless, to, to lift them up, to bring them to fullness in our Heavenly Father. And that's why the Bible uses that phrase for God. Because as a father, I love my boys far more than I ever loved my parents. That's a hard thing when you realize your kids don't love you near as much as you love them. But it's the truth. And so our Heavenly Father loves us far more than we can even begin to imagine. And He wants to be involved. And He does that through His Spirit. And He does that through you and me. See, there's a radical new understanding in 1 Corinthians 9. And Paul says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know? Have you not understood that wherever you go, the temple of God goes as He fills your body with His Spirit? That God is not interested in being confined to church walls. I'm glad he meets with us here. But God is not confined to this place. And wherever you find yourself this week, there is an opportunity for this wisdom, this goodness, this mercy, this kindness, this holiness of God to flow through you to others and for you to be salt and light. All well, heads bowed, all eyes closed. Let's pray together. Lord, the truth is that um, as we go through this week, all of us will face hard circumstances. It's not the, the, the easy circumstances that, that usually trip us up. It's when somebody cuts us off in traffic. 
or when somebody says something that ticks us off, or when things don't go our way. And the struggle then is to say, okay, God, I'm going to take a step back here, and I'm going to look for how you're moving and move with you. Lord, everything we do has consequences in our families, in our workplace, in our church. The things we say, the things we do. And so, Lord, we, we believe, I believe, that you are the giver of all good gifts, that the way you lead is you lead to life and truth. And so, Lord, my desire is that in all these things, that I seek your face, I seek your will, and I allow you to lead. I, I'm not going to pretend that this is easy. For some of us, it may be that we need to develop some new habits, some new ways of processing what's going on around us. For some of us, including this pastor, it requires that sometimes I keep my mouth shut, that I listen more than I speak, that, 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 that I see people differently and I allow you to move through me. The, the exciting thing is this, that we have a God that can use clay vessels. If we allow him, if we allow you, God, you can use us for your will, for your kingdom, for your glory. And in the process, Lord, as we allow you to move through us and in us, we will more fully experience who you are, the blessing that you bring, the fullness of life that only you can give. So, Lord, be with us as we leave this place. May, may we understand, or as we leave this place, that we don't stop being the temple, that, that we've not left the temple, but, Lord, we are the temple. And we ask that your Spirit fill us and use us this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless, folks. Love you. I'll see you next week.